you know, faith from the fire. Last week we talked about faith in other ways, but this is uh, faith in the fire, faith and the fire, where I emphasize that you do need fiery trials in your life to refine you. This time I'm going to talk about using the failure moments to produce a strength in you in conversion, a conversion strength. Like you convert the things that have happened into a faith moment. And uh, let's see what the Lord has to say. Mark 6, if you want to go there with me, Mark chapter 6, uh, sorry, Mark chapter 14. My bad, I jumped ahead there. The media team is losing their mind suddenly. Where is he going? I don't know what he's doing to us. Mark chapter 14, verse 66. Here it is on the screen. If you want to page through to your Bible, that's great. You can mark and maybe make notes on the margin as we preach today. Welcome to those online. It's good to see you, Mom. You're supposed to honor your mother and father. I want to live long, amen? That's what the Bible says. So I'm just honoring my mother real quick. And as Peter was beneath in the palace, he was in the courtyard, and they were up above, and they were scourging or they were questioning Jesus. He had been captured in the garden and taken here, and Peter followed. And there, here is where Peter stops. There cometh one of the maids of the high priest. And she was good with faces. She recognized him. And when she saw Peter warming himself, she looked upon him and said, And thou also was with Jesus of Nazareth. I recognize you. But he denied, saying, I know not, neither understand I what thou sayest. He played dumb. Everybody say he played dumb. <laughs> and he went out into the porch and the rooster crew, or the cock crowed, and a maid saw him again and began to say to, to them that stood by, look, this is one of them. I'm telling you, look at how he's dressed. He's dressed like a Galilean. They knew what people do would do by their clothing that they wore. And so and he denied it again, and a little after they that stood by said again to Peter, Surely thou art one of them, for thou art a Galilean, and thy speech agreeeth thereunto. In other words, notice by the speech as well. But he began to curse and to swear, saying, I know not this man of whom ye speak. And at that second, and the second time, the cock crew and Peter called to mind the word of Je that Jesus said unto him, Before the rooster crows twice, thou shalt deny me three times or thrice. And when he thought thereon, he wept. Peter had a failure at the moment of fire. And I'm just going to talk to you for a few minutes about turning failure into faith from the fire. Jesus, help us with your word. Thank you, Lord, for it. I know it is alive and living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, dividing asunder soul and spirit. I thank you for that possibility in our lives that we need to have things cut away. We need to have surgeries take place, be precise and surgical in the places we need it, and also cut things off that we don't need, Lord Jesus. Give us peace, health, and hope in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. God bless you under the word today as you be seated. Hallelujah. There's a passage, you know, in Mark that I love, and it's 
Mark chapter 16, probably one of my favorite passages. And the, the book of Mark is written like it's for, they say the Romans. It was, they believe it was for the Gentile. Mark was writing to the Gentile because he takes sections of Scripture and he explains the Jewish tradition as if they weren't Jews. Like they wouldn't understand this if I don't give more explanation. So he does that several places in Scripture, and you can find that out as you study. But one of the most beautiful things about Mark chapter 16 that I love, verse 15, is, And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, and he that believeth not shall be damned. I love that he includes baptism and belief, and I love that he also says, And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils. He's given us authority over spiritual entities. Amen? Though, though we believe, sometimes we don't believe we have that authority, and we do. I'm not telling you to go pick a fight spiritually. I'm not saying just be a bully in the spiritual world, because I know we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, spiritual wickedness, and high places. So we are encountering this all the time, whether we know it or not. But when you do encounter it, you have a prayer and a power and authority over it. Amen? And so, in the name, it says, And these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. That's important. They shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. How many know you can speak with tongues and feel the power of the Holy Ghost? Amen. And they shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing. I should probably put something before that. They shall accidentally take up serpents. Uh, we're not in a church in Tennessee here. We're not snake handlers. Um, we don't tempt the Lord our God, so it's accidentally take up serpents. There's a lot of serpents in that area, and so they accidentally would come upon serpents sometimes and sometimes be bit. Um, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they might recover. They could recover. If you have enough faith, they'll recover. If you feel tingles in your hand as you're praying, they'll, they'll recover. If the Holy Ghost fills the room with a cloud, they'll recover. You don't have to feel anything. You don't even have to believe your faith is big enough for it, and God will do it. Because he's not depending upon you, and he's not depending upon the power that you have. He's depending upon his name and the authority of his name and the conquering power of his cross and the resurrection. Amen? They shall. They shall. It's an impedance. It, it's, nothing shall impede it. They shall recover. Somebody said amen. So while all this beautiful stuff is written in Mark, we also have the story of Simon Peter where he's standing at a barrel of fire warming himself, and the Lord talks to him in a, in a moment while they're beside the sea, and he's just telling them things. There's, there's several places where the Lord reveals things, but... Um, in Luke 22 is actually where I want to go. That's my third point. Um, in Luke 22, there's a passage of Scripture where Jesus is talking to him after the Last Supper. How many know this passage of Scripture? Where they're having the Last Supper, they've eaten. You always want to wait till people eat before you tell them hard things, right? Because if you tell them when they're hangry, things could get out of hand. Stuff could get thrown. I'm just saying. Not that that happens in my house. It doesn't, but I'm, I'm just saying it could happen. So in, in, in Luke 22, they're done eating. They're all sitting around. They're all happy. 
They've all had a wonderful meal. Jesus has told them, unless you drink from my cup, and, and he's, he's, you know, he's given the Last Supper illustrations, the beautiful new covenant that he's going to bring. And, and then he turns over to Simon. He says in verse 31 of Luke 22, and the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. Well, that's not a really good message after a nice dinner. Can you imagine? Hey, you, you got time to go sit down for a little Hollander or maybe... We'll go sit down and have a little bit of Panera or something, and we get done with the dinner, and I'm like, hey, by the way, Satan wants to sift you. Good times. That really puts a damper on the conversation, doesn't it? So I'm like, well, this is very interesting because he's talking to him about something that the enemy desires to do to Peter. And so he said, but I have prayed for thee. Thank God that we have an intercessor. Amen. That thy faith fell not, and when thou art converted, everybody say converted. It's very important. Strengthen thy brethren. Isn't that interesting? The word converted here means to turn around, but it even means more than that. It's a very powerful use of the word. And converted is often used when we're talking about changing one thing to another. Uh, I'm not wearing these because the lights are so bright up here, although they are. But this helps a lot. Thank you. All right. I'm just going to preach the rest of the sermon with sunglasses on because it's so helpful. Actually, these lights are just so my face will light up enough for the camera to catch it so people can see us online. But I got these from my wife, who is a great optician. She gets me stuff all the time. She knows my love language is gifts, so she brings me home little things. She brought me these home. Aren't these wonderful water bottles? Isn't this great plastic tarp? Nobody's agreeing with me right now. These are fantastic jugs of milk right here. That's not what they are. They, this is not identified as a water bottle or a tarp. These are made from plastic, ocean plastic. It's a company that pulls plastic out of the ocean. It, it redoes them. It's a conservation company, and they make them into something else. The change to these that identifies them is that they're fully converted Okay, this cannot go back to a water bottle, right? This cannot go back to a plastic tarp floating or a plastic mask or anything that they pulled out of the ocean to make these with. These are actually high quality, which is really great for me. But if I say, do you like my sunglasses? Everybody would say, that's what they are identified as. Whenever you are converted by Jesus Christ, you can never go back to what you were before. That's the first point that I want to make. You can never go back to what you were before. And if you can, the chances are you need to look at your childlike faith to be fully converted in the sense that Jesus was talking in Scripture that unless you be converted, you cannot please him. If you have something in your life that you, you are looking at and you, you're like, man, I, I, could go, I could go back to that, that's something that you need to pray over because that's keeping you from moving forward with God. And I'm only telling you this, that these are, not, um, these are not the most amazing sunglasses I've ever had, but I can tell you this, it would be an absolute waste for me to throw these into the ocean. Be like, hey, go back to where you came from. <laughs> be free. These weren't made to go back to where they came from. 
No matter where they source the plastic from, it's sourced from, it's pulled out of the ocean. I get that. But, and that's great and all that. But it's not made to go back to where it came from. You are not made to go back to your pre-Christ-like life. You're, you're pre-Jesus. You're, you're B.C., before Christ's life. You were never meant to go back to that. When God touches you, you're changed. You're stretched, and you're supposed to never go back. And what Jesus is saying in Luke 22 to Peter is that, hey, I, I know you think you're at this level of faith. I know you believe you're at this level of faith, but there is a fire moment in your life that can test your faith and bring fear so much that it's going to tell you whether you are fully converted or not. I want you to know that there are some trials that come in our life just to test us to the moment of decision as to whether we'll run to a coping agency or we'll run to something else to make ourselves feel better or we'll tap into some sort of dopamine fix or we'll figure out some way to find a website we shouldn't be on just to comfort our flesh or just to make us feel better. And God said, that is not the kind of conversion I gave you. When I filled you with the Holy Ghost, I changed you and I re-identified you and you cannot go back to ocean garbage. You can't go back to what the enemy calls trash you're never trash again you're re-identified as something else and now you have a bright future because I have made you into something else and when people look at you even though they never met you before you will try to say something like oh I used to struggle with this and oh I used to be that and, and they'll say you I don't even know what you're talking uh, how can you even identify as that look at your life you don't look anything like that this is not a water bottle this is not a plastic tarp in the ocean. This is a nice pair of converted sunglasses. So whenever you say something like, I don't know, I'm still struggling with this, they're like, really? You don't seem like that. You seem like you have God in your life. You seem like you have faith working in your heart. And you're like, yeah, I know, but don't ever give people the past trash of your life and think that it's going to fit you after you've encountered Jesus Christ. They're going to look at you and say, that's not even what you seem to be. That's not what you are because you've been identified differently and because you identify identify differently, you're changed because Jesus changed you. You understand what I mean by that? I mean, Jesus changed you so much that when you go back to things that you used to be and try to fit back in, you don't fit in. It doesn't feel right. You're like, I'm struggling. I know I'm struggling right now because I tried to go back to something that I walked away from. And I know this is me struggling because I don't fit here anymore. I can't go back to being what I was. I'm not the same So the big question I have to ask you is, what is the enemy trying to shake up in your life that makes you run back and think you need to identify as what you used to be because you were comfortable there? Peter ran back. When he got done with his fiery moment, he ran back to fishing. They said, well, what are we going to do? Jesus is in the the tomb. What what are we going to do? And Peter's like, well, I know what to do. I know what I was successful at. If you give any word to Peter, it's going to be audacious. He was an influencer, whether you know it or not. He had influence. Even in his failure, he was influential. Because others went, well, (laughs) you're going to fish. We'll go to fish too. He took others with him to go back to fishing. But you can't go back to fishing when you were designed to be a fisher of men. You can't go back to what you used to be because though you still have the skills and talents, though you still know what that was like, you're not like that anymore. Am I helping anybody today? So the big question is, what, what did 
the Lord mean when he said Satan wishes to sift you? The word sift is actually seniadzi in the original language. Try to say that three times fast. <laughs> it's meaning or it has a lot of meaning, but figuratively it, its meaning is by inward agitation to try one's faith to the verge of overthrow. Inward agitation to try one's faith to the point of overthrow. That's what he was saying. Peter, Peter apparently had a lot of inner dialogue. Anybody have a lot of inner dialogue? You have, yeah, you have like a voice on this shoulder and a voice on that shoulder and six other people going on. I mean, I, I do too, and there's a lot of voices in this room right now, so I appreciate them all coming to church. But I'm kidding, of course, but there is... There is something going on here where he's like trying to deal with Peter's inner dialogue. And he's saying, look, there's going to be some inner turmoil. There's some inward agitation that's going to take place in your life. And it's happening here on the porch of Caiaphas. He's, he's out there. He's in the courtyard. And they're, they're asking questions of Jesus. And, and depending on the account you read, um, there, there's... You know, John the Beloved that may, may have gone in with Jesus during the scourging or de- during the questioning and may have come back out and tried to bring Peter in. And that's how Peter got recognized by the doorkeeper of Caiaphas's house, this, this maiden. And there's several different translations or things going on in the gospel here. But what needs to happen is the understanding that Peter had this internal struggle going on as to whether he needed to say, yeah, I'm him. I'm with them. And so he doesn't win at this. He fails at it. And Peter falls down in his faith in this moment. And that's always a place where the devil likes to beat you. He likes to beat you down in moments where there's inner dialogue. There's inner turmoil. Hello, somebody. Anybody want to speak to me about a little anxiety in your life? Anybody want to be honest about a little bit of burden in your life that comes from the things that you are thinking about in the future that haven't happened yet? It may never happen, but you're worried about them. Any future worriers here? Any worries about the past of things that have happened before? So I have, I have like six big questions for you, and I'll try to get through these as quick as I can. But the one big question I have for you to start is what internal agitation is shaking your faith right now? What internal agitation is shaking your faith right now? Peter's story in Scripture, he's, he's all over the map. The guy is called by Jesus to be a fisherman. The guy confesses that Jesus Christ is Messiah, the Son of God. And Jesus says, flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you. But my Father, which is, in other words, the Spirit of God has to give revelation of who Jesus is to you. You will never fully know the Jesus of the Bible till the Spirit reveals it to you. Amen? And that's what God is saying. I mean, God gives us this revelation through Peter. His confession, and then he sees Jesus. He gets invited, the three that get to come up to the Mount of Transfiguration. He's included in the inner circle of Jesus, and they see the transfiguration, and Moses is showing up on one side, and Elijah shows up on the other side of Jesus. The, the two men, Moses taken up by an angel, Elijah taken up by the chariot. They weren't buried in the ground somewhere, so they, maybe, they reappear, maybe they, when they reappeared, he was like, oh, man, this is amazing. Check out. He's getting revelation. But then he goes, let's stay here. Let's just, it's good that we're here. Let's build tabernacles, one to Jesus, one to Moses, one to Elijah. And the cloud comes down and says, shut up. (laughs) 
Listen to Jesus. In other words, Peter, stop talking. There's other plans involved. There's other things going on. But Peter sees the transformation of Jesus and sees his garments white as snow and his face shining. But that's not what God says will strengthen his brethren. Those amazing moments in Scripture surely gave his faith strength. But Jesus said it's from the fire. It's the faith you're going to get from the fire moments. Do you understand the power of your mistakes in your life? Do you understand how much faith can come from the moments that you tripped and got back up and said, I'm never letting this thing trip me again. I'm never going to stay down even if it does trip me again. How many know that God can use anything? He can use all of these things that Peter went through. But God said, I'm going to use the moment in the palace courtyard to strengthen and to build you so strong that when the day of Pentecost is ushered in, you're going to be the one that stands up and said, men and brethren, hear me now. You must repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sin. He stood up with the 11 others, but he was so audacious that that faith rose up in him again. He said, it doesn't matter what my mistakes are. It doesn't matter if I'm eligible out of all of the 11 that are here. If you want to know how to be saved, I'm the one that's willing to be converted and transformed back into what God called me to be. I will preach the gospel even though I've messed up. I will be a witness for God even though I've made mistakes. I will identify as God's useful vessel. I'm not just a vessel full of everyday mistakes, everyday life struggle. I'm a vessel of God to be used for his glory. And everything I've been through can build my faith. I'm not letting the devil shame me for my past. He is imprisoned. He goes from the moment of mistake to the moment of manifest presence of God in his life. And he stands forward and preaches a gospel message that saves the world. He is a man found in moments of passion. Amen? When they come to get Jesus as the Garden of Gethsemane, he's like, come and get it. He's ready. He's like, "Uh, if you're going to take him, you're going to lose a head. So he swings on somebody. He swings on Malchus, which is the high priest's servant. And Malchus is fast enough to duck the sword, but not fast enough to get all the way out of the way. So he's like, does a Matrix moment. Hello, somebody. That was the best reference ever in a sermon. A Matrix moment. Come on, give me some. I put, I put Kenu Reeves in a sermon. Hello, somebody. And so he gets out of the way enough, but he still takes his ear off. And Jesus is like, stop, Peter. It's like life for Peter is more of Jesus telling him, knock it off. And he puts his ear back on and he heals it. And that would be amazing in itself. I've I've always wondered, because my brain does this, I wonder if he had a scar. I wonder if Jesus just healed it entirely. But Peter had faith to believe let's build these temples at the Mount of Transfiguration, but he didn't have enough faith to believe that God could work through a cross. No, this is not what I expected. This is not what I thought God was going to do. He had bigger plans, obviously, Peter did. But can I ask you, 
a major point here that I'm going to get to my second question in just a minute, but I want to just tell you something because we have moved. We've tried to make this place as home, as home feeling as possible. And we're trying to get some kid care going and kids' life stuff. And all of this stuff is all happening at the same time. But can I tell you, bigger isn't always better. You need to know that. Can we believe God is working even in the downsized moments of our life? Because we look at things as if when it gets smaller, that the enemy's attacking. When something's not going right and he takes a car out and you have to ride in one car to work for a while. Maybe God was designing that so that you and your wife would get closer together and heal some things. Maybe God was designing that so you would have to ride with your son or your daughter to work and drop them off so you had some time to grow your relationship. Maybe God is working in the downsides. Hello, somebody. So even in Peter's big plans, God puts them on hold and says, no, that's not what I'm up to. I'm not going to build a tabernacle on this mountain, Peter. We're going to go to a cross. Even when you reach for bigger things, understand that your faith has to be flexible. Turn to your neighbor and say, have flexible faith. I, um, I'm trying to decide if I should say this on camera because it's not in my notes. I sold a truck. Sarah knows about this because she en endured it with me. <laughs> Everybody give a big hand to my ride or die, Sarah. Amen. She's my back roads girl. She's hung with me through all them back roads. I had a Ford Expedition, Eddie Bauer edition. Hello, Brother Antonio. That was my ride. If I put spinners on it, I would have been right in on the hood. Because <laughs> they were running spinners on that bad boy at 24s. Yeah. And the Lord told me, sell it and give it to missions. And I'm like, no, I don't want to sell that bad boy. And so then I was like, okay, I ignored it for a while. And then the Lord kept on impressing me that if I had heard a story of people selling cars and giving it to Shoes for Christ, which is a missions-giving vehicle. It's a place where they take offerings, obviously, every year. And we're coming up on that here in the end of summer. And so I sold it, and I gave it all to the Lord. And did you know that the next couple years I drove cars that didn't run so well? And I got in like two little like slide. I got slid off the road one time and took out the corner of my car. And, and I got one that wouldn't start always. And I'm just struggling. I'm like, Lord, what is going on? I gave you my car, Jesus. I reached for something greater. And I'm driving like, you know, a hoopty. This is what I get for my faith. Have you ever been there? Hello, somebody. <laughs> that was a very adamant hello. I think we would pray for our brother. <laughs> hello, I know that. And I started a new job, and I had to tr a commute. And one day I walk in, and my boss is like, hey, um, I got an opportunity to get my hands on a little company car. I'd like for you to have it. I'm like, oh, I can drive it. No, no, no. He said, I'm going to sell it to you for a dollar. He gave me a new vehicle for $1. And Jesus goes, why don't you just wait on my plan 
and I'll make it good in my time. Why don't we stop calling good things that people call good, good? Why don't we just call what God does good? If he's good enough to do it once, he's God enough to do it again. Amen? I just believe him for it. I have flex- So you have to have flexible expectation in order to have strong faith because without flexible faith, your faith will break. I was in a moment where my, I was like, God, why do I have to drive vehicles like this? I wanted to give you this car, and I, I wanted to, you know, see you bless me. But I, I wasn't just doing it for the blessings. Don't get me wrong. But I hadn't fixed my faith yet. I had, I had faith in him for the next level. But what if he took me down a level? What if he downsizes me? Am I good in the downsize? Am I faithful? Am I praying faithful prayers? Am I believing God for miracles down here? Or do I only believe God for miracles when it's going good and he's, he's bringing me up the ladder at work or he's giving me greater blessings? What if, it's, what if it's God going, let me put you down here for a minute because there's some stuff in your character that I want to work out. There's some conversion that needs to take place. I want to make you different from the fire moments and I can't get give that to you. What if, what if we need flexible faith? Do you have, turn to your neighbor and ask him this, do you have flexible faith and expectations? Come on, do it to the neighbor on the other side. Do you have flexible faith and expectations? Some people have this experience in their life where they, they have high expectations and then people don't meet their expectations. So they're like, well, lower your expectations. That's not the answer. Flexible expectations is different than lowering your expectations. You can have high expectations and very high standards and excellent mindset and and desire for high successes. But whenever others fail you around you, you have to trust God that he's going to give you what's best for you and still reach for better things. Sell the car. Sell the thing you want to give up. Sell the thing that you want to go toward God with. And then trust him to give you what's best for your route. Amen? Because your route to fruit is still faith in the fire, brothers and sisters. There is pruning that takes place, and maybe God's asking you to sell or do or whatever he's asking you to do. I'm not saying everybody leave and go sell your car. Don't write me an email about that. I'm saying if God tells you to do something and it seems a little bit like a stretch, maybe it's a pruning. Maybe God's cutting something off. We went to my mother-in-law's house just the other day, and she's got raised beds, and she had cut off all the carrot tops. Down to about this tall. And I'm like, it looked like you had a, a, an animal in here. They, they chewed off all the carrot tops. And she's like, oh, no, no, no. I cut those off. I pruned those off. Well, why? Because if you cut off the top, it puts all the nutrients into the ground to grow the carrot. If you don't cut off the top, it'll just keep growing. You'll have carrots this long. If you cut off the top, all the nutrients go. And now you have healthy carrots, the kind you want to chop up, put it in salad. So she said, I intentionally prune so that you can grow, that they can grow deeper roots and deeper carrots. So then I want you to understand that sometimes your faith is a pruning moment in God where your failures actually help you to understand weaknesses in your life where you need to reflect upon because you're not ready for what's next if you don't have any reflection in your life. You're not ready if you're not looking in the mirror of your life and seeing where did I fall down? Where is the devil tempting me? What is it that he can do? He's looking for his lunch brothers and sisters. He's looking for whom he may develop hour. 
So if you don't do any self-reflection on the places where you failed, you'll never have faith from your fires. You'll never have faith from those moments. You're supposed to plunder Egypt. Hello, somebody. When they went out, they took stuff with them. You're going to go into burdens. You're going to go into trials. But when you come out, you're supposed, to, you're supposed to plunder that situation. You're supposed to get knowledge and truth and growth from those moments. You're not supposed to just go through difficulty just because you're a child of God and trying to be right with God. You're supposed to plunder Egypt when you come out. You're supposed to come out with all the goods of the land. You're supposed to, oh, I will, can I preach? Can you give me five seconds to yell and get red in the face? You need to to plunder your addiction. You need to plunder anxiety. You need to plunder depression. You need to come out with something greater than you went in with. I preach the word of the Lord. You can shrug and say, I don't know what he's doing, but when I come out, I'm going to come out with the best of this situation. I'm going to come out of this land with something greater. Something good is coming out of this. You got to believe that. I didn't say something will come that's good. I didn't say it's going to come in the future. I didn't say something, something's going to happen good. I said something is coming out of this. You have to believe that it shall happen. That's future if you say God will. It's out there somewhere. That's just an easy faith. That's an easy faith. God will. Yes, he will. But it's future. But it's not now. You need to believe right now. That faith can come from your fire moments. Right now, even in the middle of a trial. Hello, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego last week. Even in the middle of a trial, something good will come from this. Put it on the here and now. Not tomorrow. Something good will come from my, not the past. Something good is coming from this. It's not that. It's not that, Peter. It's not what you thought. He's not going to overthrow the Roman government. It's not that. Not going to build tabernacles on a mountainside. No, it's not that. But it's going to be this, where he's given the strength to go and hang upside down on the cross and die for his faith and see a church grown and 3,000 come to the Lord as he preaches his first message, amen, and thousands more come so that they can't even meet in a building. They didn't have lights and buildings like this. They met on Solomon's porch. There were so many people, they couldn't fit in a building, amen? So what if God can use what you've gone through? What if it's not the stuff, but it's actually what God wants to do with bringing fruit to your life because he brings fruit from dirty places, amen? So my third big question, everybody say number three. I'm going to try to race. It's 12, 17. You doing good? You okay? Anybody need to get up and walk around? We need to take a recession, get a water break? Uh, I, I think this is a good question. When has God done the expected? Turn to somebody and say, when has God done the expected? Okay, turn to the other person and do the hand size. When has God done the expected? Uh, hello, Mary of Mag Mary Magdalene. When an unexpected pregnancy, explaining to her husband that she has not been with a man but she's pregnant. Uh, when has God done the expected? Even Peter has has dealt and been in moments of the unexpected. He sees Jesus on the water. Dude walks on water. 
And God says, that's not what's going to strengthen the church. He says, your full conversion is going to strengthen the church. That, mm, I, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, but you could be sitting here tonight and not today. I, I'm rushing the day. You could be sitting here today and not fully, and be fully converted. Peter walked with Jesus for three and a half years and was his disciple, and Jesus is telling him, you're not fully converted in your heart. That's why we need reflection. That's what I'm trying to get to. You need to look in the mirror of life and reflect on where you've been and what you've done and what makes you trip up because those are places where you need to be fully converted, amen? You need to take your own faith on. You need to, you need to make sure of your own salvation. You need to take on the task of being converted and use faith from fire moments. And so he's walked on water. He's transfigured. But that's his that, that's not this. This is something different that Jesus is talking to him about. This is an unexpected. This is work that Jesus is going to do in his moment of failure, a moment where he wept over it. Do you see that? He wept over his mistake. He was sorely bitter about making this mistake. And God said, that's okay. I'm going to use it. What a converter our Christ is. Amen? He can convert things nobody else can turn around. I don't know how. Everybody lift your hands and go, I don't know. I don't know how. I don't know how he can do that. I don't know how he can take people that are in prison and turn them into prison ministry. I don't know how he can take someone addicted to a drug and make them the hand that pulls addicts out of the same drug. But when they're fully converted... They believe enough that they're not going to fall back into it, even though they're pulling people out of it. They will see every single thing in someone else's life that they went through and they could fall back into, but because they're fully converted, they're not identified as that anymore. They're totally changed. So they know they can reach to the addict after being an addict. They can reach to the, to the person who, who doesn't seem like they could ever get away from lust because they've conquered lust, amen? They can reach to people that never thought they could be anything for God. They're just on the back roads living life, just trying to get through the day-to-day process, and all of a sudden, God uses them as one of the greatest moments of testimony in a service or church. God can do it. So I tell you this, the greatest blessings don't come on schedule, Amen? Some of our best blessings are not always on the roadmap. How many have had GPSs ever since they came out? God positioning systems? No. We, I had a TomTom. It still sits in my... I just have it just for posterity's sake. It's in a little case. But if you didn't update the maps, you would be off sometimes. Ever heard about that? You, you got to update the maps. Now your phone does it automatically, thank God. I would be lost all the time. I'm one of those people that has a bad internal GPS. Anybody want to go there with me? Okay, I won't look. My wife has a ridiculous internal GPS. We'll be somewhere. She's like, that's north. I'm like, no, it's not. We'll turn the car, and it'll show up on the thing, and like, north. I'm like, why do you have to be right all the time with the GPS stuff? But I turned my GPS on to go places that I know, (laughs) just because I like the comfort of someone telling me, hey, you're on track. You're on track. You're doing good. I need a lot of support, apparently. It's not that I thought, you know, in times that God's done with situations because he can be, you think, done with something and he goes back and helps you to use that some more. And uh, so 
I want that thought to be in somebody's head today. That we want to call the good things what God calls them. We want to leave God to call it good. Amen? And we want to stop calling it what people call it. And start calling it what God calls it. And this failure moment for Peter would have been just a failure in history. Had he not used it for faith to believe that God's going to use him. So, can I ask you the fourth big question? Are you still with me? Can we pray, teach me to receive it, Lord? As we were singing today, teach me to receive the faith from my failures or my moments that were less than. Peter really believed that he would die next to Jesus. But while he was looking at the fire, his faith wasn't strong enough. Fear gripped him, and he made the wrong decision. He said, I thought I could do this, but the rejection and the threat of loss was too great. My faith failed me at the moment of fire. No matter what happens to you in life or no matter what you go through, I want to tell you that it's not what you thought it would be, Peter. It's not what you thought it would be, brothers and sisters, but he will conquer all when it is done. We were talking about that. We were singing about that, that he's our conqueror. How many remember singing about that? We've got to believe that. We've got to believe he's our conqueror. Ready for number five? I'm rushing now. I don't want to lose you in the moment. Can we believe something fruitful can come from the fire moments? Everybody say fruitful. God's in charge of your fruitful. God's in charge of bringing forth fruit in your life. His spirit does that. Peter found a place in his heart that wasn't fully converted. Unless you're fully converted, the Bible says that you are not able to be used by God as much as Peter could have been used by God. So it's not what it used to be, Peter, but it's not what it's going to be. There's going to be a resurrection. Jesus is going to get up out of that tomb. And when he does, he's going to meet you on the Sea of Tiberias. And they're going to have fish and chips. Yeah. They're going to have Friday night fish fry on the Sea of Tiberias. And Simon Peter said unto them, I go fishing. And they all went fishing. And Jesus shows up at the place that Peter went back to. That's how much he's faithful. Like when you slip and you fall and you fail in the fire moments, Jesus doesn't go, okay, come on back whenever you're ready. Hey, whenever you get your prayer life back in order, hey, whenever you get things worked out, I know you're kind of a mess right now, but come on back when you want the Messiah. He doesn't do that. He goes and meets you where you fail. He meets you in your in your lowest moment, he came to meet them even though they went back to what they knew before because what they thought was going to work didn't work out. If you have flexible faith and you have flexible expectations, even when you fall, Jesus will meet you at the place that you go back to and he'll pick you up and he'll bring you back to a Pentecost day moment. Amen? So the faith came from the fire moment. And Jesus, I'm wrapping up, and Jesus is able to answer that question, can something fruitful come from this? Because he does it in John 21, 15. He says, so when they had dined, look, there's a pattern here. Now he's going to reestablish Peter as an apostle, even though he failed. And he did it after dinner. 
Hello, somebody. I'm preaching the word of the Lord today. What we're going to do is we're going to start having dinner first and then church. Oh, somebody likes it, but that, not everybody. I, I'm just hungry right now. I fast before I preach, so I'm ready to eat. So then they had dinner, or they had dined. Jesus said unto Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas. So he says, Cephas. He calls him what he called him when he called him originally. He goes back to before he called him Simon Peter, he calls him Cephas. He says, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? And he said unto him, yeah, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He said unto him, feed my lambs, feed my sheep. And then he saith unto him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? And now how many would be annoyed if someone keeps asking you the same question over and over again? How many times did Peter deny Jesus? We're at number two for the question. He's reestablishing that my grace is sufficient for you, Peter. For every failure, I have the recovery for you. And so he says, he saith to him again the second time, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? And he said, I do, Lord. And he said, thou knowest that I love you. And he said unto him, feed my sheep. And then, so he says, feed my lambs, the little ones. Feed my sheep, the older ones. And then he said unto him third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter grieved now. He's like, I don't understand. Because he said unto him the third time, lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, I guess thou only knowest. I failed you at the fire. I thought I was good, but now you're asking me three times, so I'm guessing I'm going to just default to only you know, Lord, if I can. Only you can give me the strength to do this. Only you can help me answer this right. Thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus saith unto him, feed my sheep. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, when thou wast young, thou girdest thyself and walketh whither thou wouldest. But when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thy hands and another shall gird thee and carry thee. It's, he's talking about his future. And what ends up happening here is when he says, feed my sheep, he's saying, I know that the faith failure moment is also going to be the moment that allows you to strengthen your brethren. Because when you're converted, you can change people's lives. Amen? And he says, you're going to feed people. You're going to spiritually feed people from the moments, from the faith, from the fire that you've had, from the trials that you went through, whether you, whether you accomplished something. Whether you failed or you got success in those moments, all of that, you can, in other words, what I'm saying is your faith moments, whether they fail or not, given back to the Lord, will be used by God's hands. And whether it came from the Lord's hands or it comes through the Lord's hands because you surrender it to him, it's going to bring increase. Amen. In my hands, it's not much, but in his hands, he can do something great with it. In my hands, it's just a fish and a lunch, but in his hands, he can feed the 5,000. In my hands, it's not much of any. I feel the Holy Ghost in here. If you surrender your life, your failures, your hopes, your dreams, the things you're reaching for with flexible faith and expectation in his hands, he can make it all come to good, brothers and sisters. Amen, somebody? Can God use you? Can God use it? You can stand with me if you wouldn't mind. Thank you for listening so attentively. If somebody gets this today, if somebody gets this today, you'll never go back to the stuff that held you captive. You'll never go back to it. 
because you won't let that call you anymore. You'll say, God's going to use that to make me better. I don't need to go back there. I need to plunder that past, amen? I need to gain faith from those failure moments. You'll find faith by the fire. Yes, you will. The moments you did it wrong, yes, you will find faith in those moments because the enemy can't dig it up if it's under the blood. That's what we have a cross for is everything is able to be put under the blood of Jesus, and now you are able to use it as a victory story that he's your champion in all of it. Amen, somebody. Would you lift your hands and just call, him on, call on your champion for a minute? Lord, give us the grace and strength of character to surrender everything to you. Lord God, we talked about faith and the fire last week, needing these trials. And this week we talked about using these trials. Peter was influential. He, when he was fully converted, he was able to use his influence to bring forth a great revival in the book of Acts. He was able to use it with the power of the Holy Ghost as he was filled with the Holy Ghost in the upper room. Lord God, use us. Fill us with your spirit. Convert everything that we have in our life. Give it new identity. It's not going to change just because we change a habit. It's not going to change just because we try to change the thinking. It changes when you re-identify a Jesus. When we're born again, we're changed. We're renewed and we're made different, Lord God. Convert somebody today in their faith. Convert their failure moments into a faith moment, Lord God. Use some irritation. Use some agitation where the enemy's trying to sift them right now inwardly, where there's mind, their mind is just running over thoughts and things, and they're replaying how they responded to something. Help them to forgive, Lord God. Don't let that in internal agitation bring down their faith today, I pray. Would you help them, Lord Jesus? Would you help them, Lord Jesus? Jesus, give us the faith of a child again today. Matthew 18, 3, I wanted to close with this because it's so powerful. He uses the word converted, which is an alteration of this same word when Jesus said, when you're converted. That same word shrink, shrunk down just a little bit is used in this passage. Matthew 18, verse 3. If you'd help me, media team, I sent it late, I know. But that word here says, and said, verily I say unto you, except ye be converted. Everybody say converted. And become as little children, ye shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. So we understand that it's not about whether we want to be converted. It's not about whether we, we give it our best effort. It's a matter of he has to convert us. It's his spirit that does the work in us. You're not good enough on your own. We're not good enough. This isn't a church full of great people because we're great. It's a church full of great people because he's great and he's put his spirit inside of us that keeps us from sin, amen? Keeps us from falling back into the places where we failed in the fire. And so that word converted means this. Are you ready? I'm closing with this. It's a metamorphosis. It turns oneself from one's course of conduct never to go back again. That's what I'm preaching. A turnaround where we never go back again. You know, we've come through a lot of iterations at this church. We've been in several places, several buildings, different things. We're trying different things because I believe we should. But we're never going back. We're never going to look back and say, oh, I hated those days. I hated loading and unloading with the trailer. I hated pushing the trailer without a car. 
I hated using my new car that God gave me for $1, installing a hitch on the back, and the hitch wasn't able to hold the trailer, so the whole trailer went like this. And so I'm dragging the trailer like this to the front so we can unload to have church. I don't want to go back to those moments, but I use those. I'm like, remember when it was more difficult than now, and we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. We've gone through a lot, brothers and sisters. Some of you have tried to go on mission. Some of you have tried to help others and it didn't work out quite the way you thought it should. Get some flexible faith today. Get some God expectation and let God do it. Don't let your faith break in the moment. Let God do it. He can change it. Whoever comes, whoever goes to this church, let God use it. Let God change it. Let God work on it. If they come for six months, great. If God grows them here for a year, great. If God uses this place as a hospital to bandage them up till they're healthier and they move on and they do something for God, great. Our expectations are in his hands and they are in his hands, brothers and sisters. We don't own anybody here. He's the God who owns all things. And so today, through all the fires we've been through, let's pull some faith. Let's say God's got more to do with us. Amen. I look forward to an altar full of kids in kids' church. I look forward to moments where visitors come in and check their kids into kids' care, and God does a work in their heart and changes them forever. I look forward to families falling apart, coming back together, marriages being mended, tools and techniques for faith and things that can be done are brought to bear, and God changes things, and God fully converts people. And they, like the child, says, it's going to be different from now on. I'm never going back. Would you lift your hands with me one more time? And would you pray this prayer with me? Just out loud say, Lord, I give you myself. Lord, I'm never going back to what I was, but I'm never letting the enemy use what I was against me anymore. I'm never letting the enemy shame me. I'm never standing in a place where I feel less than. Lord, I love you. I give you all of my heart. Only you know, Jesus. Say that. Only you know, Jesus. What is next for me? But I give you flexible faith. Pray that. I give you my flexible faith, and I give you flexible expectations. You do what you want with my life in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Say that out loud. In Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Let's sing this song together. And let's celebrate our champion one more time as God is obviously doing a work on our hearts. This altar's open. If you want to come pray, come pray. Ask the Lord to do a refinement in your heart. Ask the Lord to convert you fully. Say, Lord, only you know what needs to change in me. I pray you use it in the name of Jesus. All my words fall short. Come on, the altar's open. Why don't you come? Even if you just put your hands up and say, Lord, I don't know. But you're going to do something with it. You're welcome. There's a place here with your name on it. There's a place here with your name on it. Jesus. Help us, Lord, to surrender. Help us, Lord, to get some flexible faith so we don't break today. Get some flexible expectations in you. I know you've given up some things. But give up your hands right now and just lift him up. Just say, Lord, I'm still here. I'm still fighting the good faith. The fight of good faith. 
Hallelujah, Jesus. I just praise to you anyways. I don't know what you've laid down. I don't know what you've been through. I don't know who said what against you, but there's a moment right now in this room where we give it all back to him and we get faith from the fire. We get faith from the moments of difficulty. Bring greater faith in this room, Jesus. got one response today. I've got just one move Hallelujah With my arms stretched wide Come on, arms stretched wide I will worship you So I throw up my hands and praise you again and again Cause all that I have is a Hallelujah Come on, Peter God's got big things for you. You don't even see it yet. God's going to use your life. I know it's just a failure moment. still speaks to me. Let the Lord take that. Let the Lord convert it to something that speaks truth and power. Don't ever go back. Let him change you so you don't ever go back. Hallelujah, Jesus. Come on. Come on, somebody. Lift up your song in this place. Come on, you got a lion in those lungs. Somebody praise the Lord in this room right now. Come on, my soul. Don't you get shy on me. Lift up your soul. You got a lion inside of those bones. Get up and praise the Lord. Come on, somebody, convert it. Get up and praise the Lord. Jesus, don't you get shy on me. Where's somebody's praise at right now? Somebody just give them a praise through this Come on, you've got more inside you. The enemy would like to say you've been done, you're washed out, but you're not. God's got more in store. Oh, don't you get shy. 